we, for the last several weeks, um, we have looked at the first half of our mission statement, which says KPC's mission is to experience the love and the presence of God in lives of worship. We've looked at that. We've looked at the first half of our vision statement, which says that we aim to be a, a, a community that is passionate for God. We've also talked about the first three core values, which are worship, or actually in this order, prayer, worship, and discipleship. Now, so we've kind of moved halfway through all of this. It's all good stuff, but if you've noticed, everything that we've talked about so far focuses on God and our growth in God. Well, today, we're gonna move towards something different, something new, we're going to move towards something that Jesus calls us to be about as the church and something that every church, I think, intends to be about. We really, really mean to be all about this, but, well, you know, it's, it, it's, it's not always in our comfort zone. And so, sometimes it doesn't happen. Often it doesn't happen in the church or it sort of kind of happens, but it's never really embraced and walked out. And this something else is the people out there in our world. You know, our, our world is full of people, right? I mean, are we all in agreement of that, right? The world is full of people, and so we're talking about those in our world who the Bible calls spiritually lost, okay? People who do not yet know Jesus Christ. They're living their lives without Him, or, or people maybe who, who have walked with Christ in times past, but, you know, today they've kind of just walked away. So we're talking about spiritually confused, lost, impoverished people, and um, you know, I mean, th these are people that really, really matter to God. They matter to God so much. God's heart breaks for these people. It makes my voice break up, but it, it, God, God loves these people. They matter so much to him that the primary reason that his son, Jesus Christ, came to this earth was to seek and to save them. And by the way, them used to be us, right? I mean, th this is why Jesus came. He did many other wonderful things, but this is his prime directive. This is why he came. We in the church, this is why we're here. I, I don't know if you've, if you've ever put that together. If you've been here, you may have heard me say this in the past, but have, have you ever stopped to think that there is no reason for you and I to be on this earth? There, there really isn't. I mean, we're saved, right? We've got heaven. We've got the Lord. Why in the world are we here? Because Jesus Christ gave us his work to do. Because Jesus Christ intended, meant, made it very clear that we are to reach all who do not know him, we are here. Our great commission is to bring the good news of Jesus Christ, that he is the son of God, that he is the hope of mankind, that he is the only salvation for this world. And that's why when we get to the second half of all those things we've put in print lately, you know, the, the first half of our mission statement is to deeply experience the love and, and presence of God in lives of worship. Well, the second half of our mission statement is to grow as faithful witnesses to Jesus Christ and to serve a world hungry for His truth and love, its people. That's why the second half of our mission statement, you know, becoming a, a community whose passion for God, it doesn't stop there, cultivates or translates into compassion for people. 
And so this mission statement and this vision statement, when you put the whole thing together and you get the God part and the people part together, what it is in print is it's us saying yes. Yes, Lord, we recognize your mission. Yes, Lord, we get while we're here. Yes, Lord, we're going to go. We accept your invitation. We say yes to your command. And so for us as a church, we're stepping into a new season. And the new season, the old thing we're walking away from is that our lives are not our own. We are not here for us. It's not all about us. In fact, the smallest part of the equation now really is us. That we, we die to ourselves, that we become very small, that he increases. So, so it's about moving toward our community with the love and the power and the salvation of our God. So... Having said that, let's talk about fellowship. 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 Right now, many, many people are saying to, saying to themselves right now, what in the world is this guy talking about? Did he just say fellowship? Talk about a change of direction, a change of subjects. Man, I need like a, a neck brace, a chiropractor, a lawyer, because I just got whiplash. What in the world is fellowship? have to do with reaching the lost? And it's a really good question if you've spent a lot of time in the church in America. You know, if, you, if you've spent time in churches here, there, and everywhere, you know, when, when we hear the word fellowship, we think of things like a fellowship hall, right? We think of fellowship dinners. You know, we look at the calendar and go, hey, there's a fellowship event. If you haven't spent time in the church, when you hear that word fellowship, you, you, you think of a wizard, a dwarf, a ranger, a son of Gondor, right? Four hobbits, you think of a ring? So, so what is this fellowship thing about? How in the world, Steve, are you going to connect these dots? And obviously what's happened in the church is that we have lost what this word means. You know, I, I wouldn't call it a byword. You know, sometimes you, you run into that in the Old Testament. Well, Lord, your name has become a byword among the nations. And a byword is really negative. God's name is used negatively. We don't do that with fellowship, but, but we don't get what it's all about these days. So let me, let me just talk to you about fellowship. Fellowship comes from a Greek word, a beautiful Greek word. It just rolls off the tongue. And that word is koinonia. I just, you know, even if you don't know what it means, koinonia just sounds good. But koinonia is a word that means coming together. Okay, it means coming together. It means communion. It means closeness with others. So koinonia is deep relationships that result in a life together. Okay, deep relationships that result in life together. Now, as a church moves toward koinonia, here are words that are used to describe that church. That's when we start using words like community. We start using a word uh, family. We talk about being a body, you know, and a body is dependent. Oh boy, is my body dependent on the rest of its members? We talk about united ones in the spirit, words like partnership, partakers, sharers. And hopefully, as you hear the definition, you hear the word, uh, you know, none of this reminds you of programs. You know, none of the, the, this brings up images of calendar events and, 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 and chores. Instead, hopefully, what you hear is culture, the culture of a people, the climate in a room. You hear the heart of a church, and that's what koinonia is all about, our heart as a body. 
And so if you're one of those people here who you've been repelled and repulsed by the idea of church as an institution, you know, church as a social club or church as a factory, you know, that just spews out religious things. You know, think of Laverne and Shirley, you know, just watching it come by, all these religious things. If, if you felt that way, that's really good. That, that is a godly repulsion because when Scripture describes koinonia and, and a people that have come together like this, it's completely different than all of that. Let me read to you a passage of Scripture where, where you just hear koinonia. And I invite you to listen to this and hear it, but also feel it. Just feel, feel what it's like for these folks. Many of you could probably guess where I'm going. Okay, it's not on screen yet, so we'll see. Acts 2, 42 through 46, the first church, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to koinonia, to the breaking of bread. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles, all the believers, all the believers were together, and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had a need among them or without them. Every day they continued to meet in temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Do you hear that? Do you hear the love, the devotion, sincerity, gladness, joy, rejoicing, unity. It's beautiful, isn't it? But we gotta be real careful to realize amongst everything that they felt, okay, to, to quote the old Boston song from the 70s, koinonia for them was more than a feeling. It was actually much, much more than a feeling. They had a goal, okay? Their koinonia resulted in something tangible. And what it, what, it, what, what, it, what it ended up in was it ended up in a new shared focus for all of these people. In other words, they were just like you and I. They're, they're coming in from the world, and they're going to do this, and they're going to do that, and they're about this tomorrow, and they're distracted by this or, or aiming for that. But they come together. Koinonia happens, and suddenly they've got the same focus as a people. This sweetness has sharpened them and just pointed them in the same direction. So their being together led them into a doing together, a doing together for the kingdom of God. And that's sharing Christ with their world. And that is so often what is missing in the church. That's why you can walk into a church and they, they got a fellowship hall, right? You know, they, they, got, they have fellowship dinners, they have fellowship events, but they don't have fellowship. They, they actually don't have this thing called koinonia. But here it's different. Their fellowship moves them into the world, and they are faithful to reach out. And by the way, when you get to 47, what you find out about this people is God looks down and he goes, whoa, this is a people I can bless. This is a people I can move through. 47, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So God's like, oh man, the lost will let me get them into that body. I mean, God is doing this. He's just blessing their efforts. We read the same thing, by the way, when, when we hit Acts chapter 4. It's kind of a condensed version, but, but you read the same thing there. And, and I'll just pull out a little piece of it. They were one, and this is koinonia, they were one in heart and mind. Wow. That goes way beyond sharing the same pew, right? Way, way beyond showing up for the same class. They were one in heart and mind. They shared everything they had. Again, 
They reached out together. We read in in 33, they testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. So again, their fellowship led them to reach out. And then we end up with, um, uh, uh, and and God's blessing was on them. So listen, I, I know we've all done the milk campaign, right? Forget about milk, okay? Forget about got milk. Do we got koinonia in the church? Because koinonia is awesome. Koinonia makes all the difference. It's the difference between filling up a room full of people, getting a good tithe, and sweetness in the body. Oh, life in the body. The body as a family. So we want koinonia, all right? But here's the thing about koinonia. It is not possible if a couple of things are not placed. And I'm going to throw in a third today, okay? So it, it is not possible without three things, three connections, And by the way, these are things that that need to happen in order, at least the first two. A couple of primary connections that are very impossible, very possible, very important for the church. The first one is vertical koinonia has got to happen in the church of Jesus Christ. Vertical koinonia has got to be a reality for the people of God. And then we have horizontal koinonia. So if you're listening to what I said a minute ago, you cannot have horizontal koinonia with each other without vertical koinonia. So what is vertical koinonia? Very simply stated, it is fellowship with God. As individuals, we must be in fellowship with God. And, and here we're simply talking about, but, but there's a step two. We're simply talking about, first of all, salvation in Jesus Christ. We must receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and become a child of God. There's no family. You know, you, you can't have the family of God if you're not a child of God. So we've got to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. But something else that's very important is we then, the door is open, the opportunity is ours. We can say no to it or yes to it. And we're talking about then rich relationship with God. The world is full of people who have said yes to Jesus Christ and gone no further. So here, here we are talking about knowing God in his fullness through the word, through worship, through prayer, plunging into the life of God, walking with Jesus Christ, coming to know him, obeying him, all of this individually, we've got to have that vertical fellowship. By the way, this is what John is talking about. You know, last week I read uh, 1 John 1, 3, and I talked about how this ties into worship, but it's really a verse about fellowship. Uh, John speaks there and he says, look, we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard for a reason, so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So here's what John is doing. John is looking out amongst the landscape of people, and he's saying, man, come on into our fellowship. We want you here. We want you as a part of this family. We want you to be one with us. Come and drink in the richness of relationships, but understand this first. That begins with God the Father and God the Son. Enter into vertical koinonia, and then, man, you can know the people of God. Then we have an opportunity to really come into a church and and, and to know them and to be known by them, to walk with them, to share in this new mission. And by the way, that is also a choice. It is very possible to attend a church, to, to, to listen, you know, even to give, but to never be known, to never connect with anybody else. So this is a temptation. And there is that temptation to, to just simply say, look, I, I don't think I need this. You know, I, I, I'm not sure I need this, this, 
this, you know, God and this spiritual family, I can live without it. But John goes on to say, in 1 John 1, 3, he goes on to say, look, there is a result of fellowship. There is something that comes with fellowship. It, it, it's a gift that, that you know, that, that, that unpacks itself, and that gift is joy. Joy to the fullest, you know? I mean, it, it's, it's like this is the Christmas day of fellowship. It brings joy, and that is life. And so, so, so the answer is, look, in reality, we can live without, well, we can exist without fellowship with God. We can exist without the body of Christ, but no, we cannot really live. You cannot really live. We cannot live without fellowship. My mother's a great example, the first one, being able to live without God. My mom was born in Manchester, England, and she grew up in the Church of England, and every week she would go to church with, you know, her family, and they would go, and, you know, they would hear the, the rector preach, and, you know, they would sing a, a hymn or two, but my mother never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ in the Church of England in Manchester. And so she was a person who, she was in church, and, you know, I guess maybe she felt a little better morally, but, but her whole young life, she's going, I don't get the point. I don't understand what all of this is about. We do this every single week, and I guess I'm more moral, and I guess my family's more upright, but what's the point? So she meets my father, okay, again from Louisiana, right? Cajun country, Louisiana. They fall in love with each other, but he introduces her to Jesus Christ, she, she comes to see that he is the Savior of the world. She receives him as Lord and Savior. My mother went from, you know, okay, I don't really get the idea. To, oh, my God, praise God. You know, she just comes to life. And this is, the, is vertical fellowship with God. This is koinonia, you know, coming to know him and to live through him. And for the second example of, well, I can live without the church, I'll tell you a story I'm not that proud of. It, you know, it's not that bad, but it's not that great. Jane and I, for a season of our life, we just got to this place where we were just kind of burned out with church. And I mean, we, we, we were just worn out with all the coming and going and all this other stuff. And I got another assignment to be a chaplain, which is kind of like a missionary. And so honestly, for, for a couple of years of our life, we just didn't do a whole lot of church. And we found what I just said to be true to be a real reality in our life. Without the church, things got flat really fast. In terms of our mission, why we're here, the encouragement, the love of the body, in other words, we cannot live as human beings. We cannot do it without fellowship. We were made for koinonia. Koinonia with the Father, koinonia with one another. Let me add one more thing, something else that is a must for koinonia. And, and I'll bring this up gently, and I'll bring it up in, in the form of a question. And by the way, you already have a big hint on this one. Does anybody know when koinonia showed up for the people of God? It's really interesting. The hint is, I've already read you two passages about it. Pentecost. Do you realize the church, I mean, y'all... It was always intended for Israel. You have prophets who are on fire for God. You have little remnants of community. But when the Spirit of God was poured out over the people of God, koinonia, koinonia happens. That's why Acts 2, it is revolutionary. It's unprecedented. We've never seen the, life, the like of it before. And it's something that's available to every church in every age. And the reason why I said I want to be gentle with that is because I know there are some, even sung among us who, you know, this Holy Spirit thing, you know, it's not always easy to control. And I don't know if I like the way people, listen, the Spirit of God 
is what binds us together and makes us sweet and convicts and encourages and challenges and overflows us. And we need the spirit of the living God. So just to understand vertical koinonia, horizontal koinonia, and just the sweet Holy Spirit, they come together. They are meant to come together in the church, in us, lead us into the mission of God, in the power of the Holy Spirit, and boom, that's a different type of church. Now, let me give you a personal story of koinonia, because um, here's what it can look like, all right? Um, three weeks ago, 24 people from KPC um, got together for a week, and um, these people could not have been more different, okay? So this is gonna encourage you if you feel like, man, I'm so different from everybody else. These people could not have been more different. There's no way to make a more different group unless they, were, they spoke different languages, okay? Um, 12 of them, 12 of the 24 were uh, between the ages of 12 and 14, okay? So we're talking about middle schoolers, all right? Middle schoolers, I have one. I have had four before this one. I will have, oh, I've had three before this one. I'll have two more. Middle schoolers are wonderful, but they are a very different breed of people, okay? <laughs> so we got, we got 12 middle schoolers, and then, then we had um, four who were in their late teens, right? So mid to late teens, right? And so, you know, I, I was a youth pastor for nine years. Sometimes high schoolers and middle schoolers is kind of like oil and water. So you got some real differences here. Well, then you add into that, you've got a couple of young adults, right? Early 20s, very different from middle schoolers, very different from high schoolers. <laughs> then next, we, we have four, four folks who are in their 40s, okay? Whoa, okay. And then at the very end of this, well, I shouldn't say at the end, okay? I'll say at the head of this dog is, uh, is a 60-year-old, right? So, yeah, I heard you, 60-year-old. That's it, baby. So, so, look, you have got different, vastly different levels of maturity, okay? Okay, vastly, vastly different generational gaps. And set, in, in fact, we're talking about generational canyons, okay? Between, okay, between the 60-year-old and the middle schoolers, you can fit me my whole life, and you still got two years left over. So, that, that's how much of a generational gap. The interests are all over the place. The backgrounds are all over the place. These people came together, spent a week together. Before this week, they either barely knew each other or didn't know each other at all. Now, this could have been a very memorable week, to say the least, as in, I will never forget the trauma of being with those people for a week. It could have been memorable. So the week starts out, okay, it's got all the clunkiness. All the awkwardness, all the relational clumsiness you'd expect starts out like that, but by the end of the week, everything changed. It was completely different by the end of the week. This group had powerfully bonded. They knew each other. They trusted each other. They loved each other. Oh, we're up on the board. I love it. Okay, but y'all, we are connected at the highest level. Now, typically, it takes us years to connect with people like that, right? We did it in a week. One week, and when we parted, there were hugs, there were tears, there were promises to stay connected. Why and how did this happen? It's everything we talked about today. To begin with, a little out of order here, but everybody signed up for the same mission because it was a missions trip, okay? So from, from the get-go, we know, we know this group is all about a mission. We, it's all hands on deck for this thing, but, but you know, and, and we had to pay into this and all that, so that kind of ties you to it. But what happens is, is all of these folks have to put everything down in their normal everyday life, things that they hold dear, 
things that are comfortable, things that are familiar, things that we hold on to. They had, they had to simply lay it all down and come together for this one mission, for this greater cause. And so the first thing this group does is we spend the first part of that week just, man, going up vertically together. You know, I mean, devotions, the word, prayer, we're worshiping together, and we're just pouring into God, receiving from God, being bound together by God, and then we all turned our energy, our attention, our focus on a hurting world around us, desperately needy people. And what was so beautiful, I mean, y'all, as a shepherd, it's so much fun to watch stuff. Y'all think, oh, he loves to preach. Man, I love to watch you guys in action. What was so fun about this group is as they're doing all this, I'm just sitting back and I'm watching all the differences melt away. You know, suddenly it doesn't matter if this one's 12 years old and this one's 60 years old. It's just like all that generational stuff just dissolves. You know, all the things that we were about, you know, that it just all begins to melt away. Everything generational, every, you know, all the cultural stereotypes, oh, you know, those old people, oh, I'll tell you, those kids today, it's just not there anymore. It's just being obliterated as we serve together. And at the end of the week, we are a true spiritual family bound by the love of God. And so often in the church, man, we just, we want to ramp it up. We want to say, man, let's get the program and let's go. I'll tell you this, it is our sweetness it is our love that draws people together like, like I mean, honey to a fly. And in fact, with, uh, you know, this one place we were working at, it, it was a trip because, you know, the, the work, it, it was pretty good work. Um, I, I wouldn't want to have a contractor look over all of it. But, it, you know, the physical work we did was really good. And the family that we worked for, you know, they were really appreciative. But four different times, and Kurt, you correct me, Mark, correct me if I'm wrong. Four different times, the guy who owned the house came up to us and he said, man, I appreciate what you guys are doing. I can't believe how you all fixed up our house. You know, you braced up our floor. You put in new windows. You put in doors. But I tell you what's really got me. What's really got me is here you are, a bunch of older adults, oldish adults, Okay, I'm in the mix, Kurt, so don't, you know. So, but a bunch of adults, they're not even your kids. Half of them are learning what they're doing as they're doing it. I mean, there are smashed fingers and mistakes being made all over the place. But what has got me astounded is the way you guys love each other. I, I haven't heard a cross word. Yeah, and, and that was his thing, his West Virginia way. He would say in his West Virginia way, I, I hadn't heard a cross word among y'all. The whole, he couldn't believe it. It was the love of God. And this is what Jesus is talking about in John 13, 35, uh, 34 and 35. And he says, look, a new command I give to you, my people, the church, love one another. As I have loved you, you must love one another. Okay, sounds great. Why, Jesus? Because by this, everyone will know you are my disciples. And so hopefully you feel it, you see it, you long for it. Koinonia. All right, I broke that thing in half in a way I shouldn't have just then, but it is koinonia. If we want the world to know and love Jesus Christ, step into relationship with him, if we want them to get saved, then we need to move toward one another in this way, warmer, sweeter, deeper, richer fellowship with God and with one another. And so for the church, what does it mean? What do we do? Well, for the church, there are things we need to lay down in order to join with our brothers and sisters. They're things that, you know, they're more like anchors, okay? Balls and chains, I mean, whether it's ways of thinking or things that we insist and we want in a church, lay aside the petty. Lay aside what doesn't matter and as a church together, reach for His presence. And y'all, that, that's one of the things I love so much about everybody involved with worship from the choir to faithful men to our worship teams. They give us every opportunity to really reach, 
They really do. And so, so we, we start there. But we move toward each other and we build spiritual life together as a body. And as we unite and as we join one another, we join the Father, we join one another, then we move out to the greatest mission that's ever been given to anybody, making Jesus Christ known to this world. So koinonia, sound good? Amen. Okay. Now, to help us reach this goal, one other thing before we, we have a little ministry time, to help us reach this goal, we have actually staffed for this part of the vision. We have hired, where's Bethany? I thought I saw her somewhere. I thought I saw her give me an amen. Maybe I'm attributing, is Bethany in here? Hey, Bethany. She's in the back because, you know, the last will be first, Bethany. That's right. So we've, we've hired Bethany Metzger as the KPC community, community coordinator. And her job is simply, yeah. Beth, Bethany's ministry, I should say that instead of job, is hospitality and just bringing us together. Um, Bethany will not do koinonia for us. That's impossible. But like the worship team, she's going to provide opportunities, help provide opportunities for us to come together, for walls to come down, for generations to dissolve, for us to come together. And um, she's going to help us get beyond Sunday morning, um, beyond things like small groups and programs. So I'm looking forward to seeing what comes, Bethany. I've already heard some of it. I'm already really excited. So you are welcome, dear. All right. All right. Having said that, we're going to move to a time now, kind of a new time for us is ministry time. Um, I'm going to invite Shiloh and the band back up, or, or maybe just Shiloh back up. I don't know. We're going to invite them up, and we're going to have a time of ministry in the body. So uh, what we're going to do is we're going to pray over anything that the Lord has brought up in you, anything that the Holy Spirit has been doing within you. You may want to hear the worship and pray right where you are. Some of you, though, need to come forward. Some of you need to come up, and there are going to be people up here to pray with you about anything in your life, whether you've recognized as this sermon's been going, man, there are things in the way. I cannot love my brother until I get rid of some offense or judgment, or uh, you know, th there could be things like that, there may be things you need to lay down. There could be fear of rejection, fear of being known, but this is a time. This is a time for us to pick up the mission of, of God, to embrace the family of God. This is an opportunity to pray about anything in your life. This is also a chance for us to hear some words. If the, every now and then the Lord will bubble something up in folks. And this is a great time to come up front. Mark is right here as usual. So shallow lead us in worship. Folks, let's enter into prayer. I'll say a prayer to start it. And if you need ministry, come down up front. In 10, 15 minutes, Mark will end the service. If you're getting ministry, that doesn't mean go anywhere. And uh, so, Mark, you be on cue for that in a minute. Let me pray for us. Father, in Jesus' name, we love you. God, we adore you. And Lord, the last thing we need in our lives is another obligation. But Father, our hearts long, our hearts long to know you. God, everything we sang today, Father, we wanna know you in your fullness. Lord, we want to know the salvation of Jesus Christ and be this army that's raised up. Lord, we want to be strengthened. We want to be healed as people. Father, we, we welcome the brokenness that you bring and the healing that fall, flows right after that. Father, we just say yes in every way we can to connecting with you, heart, mind, soul, and life. And Father, today we say yes to the body of Jesus Christ as well. Father, I thank you for every brother and every sister in this room. Lord, I thank you that there is nothing that should ever stand in the way of us loving one another, 
us being everything you called us to be. And so, Father, we just invite the sweetness of your spirit. Father, we invite the, the, the thickness of your Holy Spirit. God, we welcome your love and we pray that it would rain on us in Jesus' name, that you would rain on dry hearts, rain on dry minds, and God, that you would just birth within us a love for one another. And I thank you that it's here. Father, I, I thank you that we're not talking about something that doesn't exist, but Lord God, bring your love and your joy to its fullness in this body. In every way, may KPC be a family. May we be a community. And Lord, may this community, this family, reach Hampton Roads in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you that a world is waiting for us. And so, Lord, I thank you right now for ways that you are touching, ways that you are moving. Lord, hearts that, that you're just meeting right now. And we thank you, Lord, that it is a new season. Father, may we feast on the fruit of heaven in this place, in Jesus' name. Jesus' name.